Welcome to Murder Bucket, the podcast where I dive deep into murders, paranormal activity, abductions, kidnappings, and weird stuff. I'm your host, Hannah. Let's see what I'm going to pull out of the bucket this week. On tonight's episode, I will be telling you all about Todd Orr and his bear attack. Imagine going on a hike and getting attacked by a bear. Not once, but twice. That's exactly what happened to Todd Orr while on a hiking trail in Montana. I've been fascinated by this story since it happened back in 2016 and have been wanting to share it with everyone. I searched the internet like any good researcher does to try and write his story, but I soon realized that I would never be able to capture every little detail about the incident or the emotion that he felt. I instead began to search for contact information for him and found his website, Sky Blade Knives. There, I located the contact me box and sent him an email. I figured I could send him an inquiry explaining who I was and that I wanted to talk about his story on this podcast. I didn't really think I would get a response, but I did. I asked him if it would be okay to read his story from his website word for word to capture the first-hand experience of the incident. He was more than willing to let me do that. So, without further ado, here is his own personal account of what happened on October 1st, 2016. It was an early fall morning across the Madison Valley as I began my hike into the high mountains of southwest Montana. Three miles in, I spotted a sow grizzly bear with cubs up ahead. The sow saw me as well, and she and the cubs ran west and out of sight over the ridge. I waited about 30 seconds before deciding I could safely continue westward in the opposite direction. A few steps later, a slight noise over my left shoulder caught my attention. Turning, I saw the sow grizzly breaking over the ridge at about 40 yards and heading directly toward me. It was nothing like the slow, rambling gait of the overweight, trained bears in the movies. This was the real deal. She was in a full charge with ears laid back and coming fast and low to the ground. Charging at up to 40 miles per hour, she could cover nearly 60 feet each second. Instinctively, I pulled my bear spray from the chest holster, slipped it out of the safety clip, and yelled out so the bear knew that I was human and would hopefully stop or turn back. No such luck. She was blazing through the waist-tall grass with a speed I had never imagined. Within just a few seconds, she was nearly on me. I smashed the trigger down hard on the bear spray and gave her a full blast in the face at about 30 feet. Her speed and momentum carried her through the orange cloud of peppermist and on to me. I turned away and threw myself to the ground with my face in the dirt, wrapped my arms around the back of my neck, and locked my hands for protection. She was immediately on top of me, repeatedly biting my arms, shoulders, and back. I could hear the crushing and tearing of the muscles as her long canine teeth buried deep into my right arm with each bite. After only a few seconds, but what seemed an eternity, she disappeared, coughing as a result of the bear spray. Stunned, I carefully picked myself from the ground. I was so lucky to be alive and survive a grizzly bear attack. The injuries were severe but nothing life-threatening and isolated mostly to my arms, shoulder, and upper back. 
Quite assured the bear was gone, I headed back down the trail toward the trailhead and my truck three miles below. I kept a steady pace, only slowing for a quick look at my injuries. My backpack had taken the brunt of the attack, but I still sustained numerous deep puncture wounds on my right arm and shoulder. The wounds were bleeding through both layers I was wearing, but the flow appeared to be slowing. I knew I could hike the distance to the truck and thanked God for letting me through this alive. I really wanted to keep moving and put distance between the bear and I before stopping to address any wounds that needed attention. Within minutes, I felt I was clear of the danger and my adrenaline rush was subsiding. But then, a sudden noise from behind turned me to find the grizzly bearing down on me a second time and already within 10 feet. It happened so quickly, I had no time to use the bear spray again or my pistol. I again turned away as the bear knocked me to the ground. I couldn't believe this was happening a second time. I was so lucky to survive the first attack, and now I questioned if I could survive another. Again, I protected the back of my neck and sides of my head with my hands and arms, and kept tight against the ground to protect my face, eyes, and soft vital areas. The bear slammed down on top of me and ferociously bit my shoulder and arms again, but with much more aggression than before. The force of each bite was like a sledgehammer with teeth. One bite on my left forearm went deep and I heard the crunch of bone breaking. My hand instantly went numb and my wrist and fingers were limp and useless. The sudden flash of pain made me flinch and gasp for breath. That slight movement and sound triggered a frenzy of additional bites to my shoulder and upper back. I knew it was vital to avoid any further movement or sound or the bear was going to tear me to pieces. So I focused my concentration to block out the pain and remained motionless, face down on the ground. More bites and claw swats to my head opened a five-inch gash above my right ear, nearly scalping me. The blood gushed over my face and into my eyes, blinding me. I still didn't move nor make a sound. My concentration, will to survive, and adrenaline rush had completely blocked out the pain. But I could feel and hear the pressure and tearing of each bite as her teeth sunk deep into my muscles. She would lift me up off the ground and slam me back down, only to bite again. I truly thought that this was the end. I feared the bear would eventually strike an artery in my neck and I would bleed out on the trail. Or she would flip me over and get to my face, eyes, or throat. But I knew that any movement would prolong the attack, so I laid motionless, hoping it would end. I repeatedly told myself that she would eventually leave to check on her cub's safety, if I could only hold on a little longer. The bear suddenly stopped her attack and just stood on top of me. I will never forget that brief moment of silence with just the sound of her breathing and sniffing. I could feel and hear her breath on the back of my neck just inches away from my spine. I even tried to hold my breath, afraid she would attack again if I moved or made a noise. Her three-inch claws sunk into my lower back just below my backpack, where she stood, pinning me to the ground. The terrible pungent odor she admitted almost made me gag. For 30 seconds, she stood there motionless but crushing me. My chest was smashed into the ground and my face pressed into the rocky dirt of the trail. When would the next onslaught of biting begin, I wondered. 
but I still didn't move. My breaths were faint. And then she was gone. That enormous weight had been lifted from my body. I wanted to take in a deep breath of fresh air, but I didn't know where the bear was. I wondered if she had left to check on her cubs or was standing there just 10 feet away watching me. I waited another 10 seconds, listening, nothing. I feared I would never survive a third attack if the bear had returned. I needed to protect my life. I had dropped my bear spray during the attack, so my pistol was my only defense. Staying in position on the ground, I slowly moved my right arm from behind my head, reached under my chest to grab at the pistol I was unable to get earlier. Nothing. It was gone. It had been ripped from my body during the attack, and now I was defenseless. I carefully wiped the blood from my eye, and with much worry and some hesitation, I slowly raised my head to look around, still fearing that the bear would be close and attack again. Almost to my surprise, she was gone. The holster and pistol were lying ten feet to my side. The bear's attack had broken the webbing straps and torn the holster from my body. With the bear apparently gone, I dove for the pistol and thumbed back the hammer, nervously looking around. Still, no bear. I so hoped that she was gone for good this time. I quickly picked up my scattered gear, grabbed the bear spray, and moved down the trail again toward the trailhead. I couldn't believe I had survived a double grizzly attack. Blood was still dripping from my head wound and both elbows, and my shirt was blood-soaked to the waist and into my pants. But a quick assessment assured me the bleeding was not life-threatening, and I could survive the 45-minute hike back to my truck. I continued down the trail, wanting to distance myself from the bear. I kept my left arm pulled in tight against my body to minimize movement and prevent further injury to the shredded muscle, severed tendons, and crushed nerves and bone. I held my pistol tucked under my arm and chest for easy access if need be. The bear spray was in my right hand with the safety clip out. Twice I paused to assess my wounds. The slow rate of bleeding was still acceptable, so I did not bother with any bandaging. If needed, I could administer first aid at the truck. Forty-five minutes later, I safely reached the trailhead and my vehicle. It was now only 8 a.m., and I was concerned for the safety of bow hunters that may show up for the weekend and head into the same area. I attempted to write a warning note and post it on a bulletin board at the trailhead. Unfortunately, my injured arm was useless, and I decided the note would not be legible with the blood dripping from my writing hand as well. Having reached my vehicle and with bleeding slowed, I now felt completely safe and relieved. I decided to take a few seconds to record the moment to share with my hunting buddies. I snapped a couple quick photos and a video of my wounds, laid some jackets over the truck seat to capture some of the blood, and then headed for town and the hospital about 30 minutes away. I stopped a rancher alongside the road and asked him to make a call to the hospital, informing them that I was en route. Twenty minutes later, I was met by a doctor, nurse, and a local sheriff's officer at the emergency room entrance. I had to ask the officer for assistance in opening the door, putting the truck in park, and unbuckling my seatbelt. My left arm was useless and the deep tear in the deltoid of my right shoulder, along with a dozen puncture wounds to my bicep and triceps, were making it nearly impossible to lift that arm as well. Once inside, x-rays revealed a broken ulna bone in my forearm. 
Most of the other injuries were arm, shoulder, and upper back punctures and tears from the bear's biting and took six hours to stitch closed. The four puncture holes in the right side just above my hip reminded me how lucky I was that the bear only bit and released and her canine teeth didn't tear completely through the soft stomach tissue. Two tendons had been severed in my left forearm and required surgery to repair the shredded muscle and reattach the tendons. Numerous nerves had been damaged as well. It took months of physical therapy to get 90% use and strength in my left arm and hand again. A 5-inch gash along the side of my head will leave a nasty scar as well. Not my best day, but I am alive and so thankful to be here to share this story with all of you. Now, he mentioned in his story that he took a video before driving to the emergency room. I was able to obtain the licensing rights to the audio, so I will play that for you now. Enjoy! Yeah, life sucks in bear country. Just had a grizzly with two cubs come at me from about 80 yards, and uh, I sprayed the shit out of her with bear spray, and then I went to on my face and protected the back of my neck. She got my head good. I don't know what's under my hat. My ear, my arm, uh, pieces of stuff hanging out. I don't know what's going on in there. And then my shoulder is ripped up. I think my arm's broke, but legs are good. Internal organs are good. Eyes are good. I just walked out three miles and I go to the hospital. So be safe out there. Bear spray doesn't always work, but it's better than nothing. I sent Todd a list of questions, not expecting him to answer any of them, and to my surprise, he answered all of them. So here they are. When you encounter the rancher on the side of the road, what was his reaction to you, your injuries, and all the blood? Did he ask questions or get right to the point of helping you? The rancher was wide-eyed and speechless at first. Then he offered a ride to the hospital, which I denied because I didn't want to bloody up his truck too. What was the reasoning behind carrying the bear spray and the pistol? Did you encounter a lot of bears during your hikes, or was it a gut instinct to bring it that day? Grizzly and black bears are common in southwest Montana, so I always carry bear spray to be prepared. I had a wolf tag for the area and thought maybe I could get my first wolf, so I took the pistol along as well. Now I carry the pistol every trek into the woods for added bear protection as well. Have you hiked the trail since the attacks? If so, were you uneasy the first time you went back? I was back in the area six weeks later, the day after getting the brace removed from my arm. I was certainly uneasy but knew I needed to face my fears. I have been back many times since, and although the memory will always be there, it gets a bit easier each time. Todd currently owns a knife-making shop, so I asked him a few questions regarding that. Here they are. How long have you been making knives? I've been making custom knives for 34 years. What was your inspiration to start making them? An elder knife maker and a friend of the family invited me to his knife shop in 1987. That sparked my interest and I made my first knife. 
Was it at first just a hobby and then grew into a business or was it always a business? It started as making a knife for myself, then a couple more friends and family, and then an art gallery asked if I would make knives for them, and that was the beginning of Sky Blade Knives. Of the knives you've made, what is your favorite? I make over 30 knife models with different blade lengths and handles. My best seller is the white tail model in a 4-inch blade. Everyone loves how comfortable it feels in your hand and how usable the design is. A 3-4 to four inch blade is most common for big game hunting. I personally prefer a smaller, lighter knife, so I carry a 2.5 to 3 inch blade. Do me a favor. When you're finished listening to this episode, head on over to skyblademives.com and check out the selection he has. You might see something you like. I would like to thank Todd for taking the time out of his day to answer my questions. Just remember, if you do ever go hiking in bear country, take bear spray and a pistol. I would like to give a personal shout out to my friends at Field of Screens, the sports movie podcast. They were follower 1001 on Murder Bucket's Twitter page. I asked them if there were any sort of charities or organizations that they would like for me to promote here on this podcast. They've asked for me to tell you about Trussell Trust, the food bank in the UK. They are a nationwide network of food banks that provides emergency food and support to people locked in poverty and campaign for change to end the need for food banks in the UK. Check out their website at trusseltrust.org. And here is a promo from Field of Screens, the sports movie podcast. Hello and welcome to Field of Screens, the sports movie podcast. I really enjoyed this. Me too. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, me too. Each week, me, David Kifford, the sports guy, and James Rowling. Hello there, movie guy here. The movie guy. We watch a movie and talk about said movie. And of course, they are all sports movies. It was awful. Awful. What are they doing? Yeah, how's your your fan, mate? You will lose. Is he Scottish Uh, in it? Yeah, yeah. He says, I mean, it's not hit the heights of his um, Viagra adverts. That is all I could think of. Uh, I feel like that was a nice little nod to the truth. Yeah. I was not really convinced at her efforts. And uh, mm. we'll, we'll go into detail after that, I think. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I found it a bit boring. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the most engrossing watch. <laughs> so, say. so thanks for listening to this podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you for the next episode. I would say I have got what I would consider some entertaining content to bring up. <laughs> anyway, Never mind. sorry about that. Everyone. There's always next year. Yeah. thank you for listening to murder bucket and i hope you enjoyed tonight's episode be sure to follow me on twitter at the murder bucket on facebook at bucket murd and on instagram at murd bucket 